There is a balm in Gilead. Thank you, Evan and Brian. Brian, by the way, is on my most recent podcast. He's an internationally known handbell guy. I asked him a lot of questions about bells. It was really informative and special. Uh, you might want to uh, check that out. Good morning, and welcome to our 8.30 service on this Transfiguration Sunday. It's the end of Epiphany. Lent begins this week. Welcome to those of you in the room, many more we know who are joining us online. It's good to worship God together in this way. My name is James Howell. I am one of the pastors here. I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Reverend Taylor Pride Barefoot. And before I turn it to her, though, I want to point out, as I look around, some of you are visiting with us, and we're so honored uh, that you have taken the time to come here and worship with us. Uh, we hope if you're new that you'll share some kind of contact information, your email, text number, something. We'd love the opportunity to interact with you and begin the process of befriending one another. Uh, so, Taylor. It's good to be in worship with you all this morning. Believe it or not, we are about to be in the season of Lent. Uh, this upcoming Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, and if you look in your bulletin, there's a number of ways for you to... Uh, worship with us that day, including an 11 o'clock and 7 o'clock service and a couple options to receive ashes throughout the community. So we encourage you to look for that. We also will have Lenten small groups. So this is an opportunity for us to get closer to God, um, to worship God better as a community, and we encourage you to say yes to that opportunity. Um, so we look in and see what you can get plugged into. Let us continue on in worship.
Church, let us continue in worship as we affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed, which is found in your bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Join me as we confess our sins together as a congregation with the prayer of confession. O oh God, cast your light in the shadows. Illuminate the darkness in our hearts. May Christ be seen in the church and in our lives. Help us to be light to the world. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of the gospel. The gospel reading is Matthew chapter 17, beginning with the first verse. 
And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain apart. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is well that we are here. If you wish, I will make three booths here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, lo, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were filled with awe. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. That may be one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And they fell on their faces in awe. And they fell on their faces in awe. Uh, what is awe? Uh, my uh, good friend Chris Williams a couple weeks ago directed my attention to a book with the title, Awe. This is a guy named Dr. Keltner, and uh, he studied awe across 26 cultures. What did people tell him about it? He studied it scientifically. Interesting. Uh, he says, awe is the emotion we experience when we encounter vast mysteries that we don't fully understand. Awe reveals that our current knowledge is not up to the task of making sense of what we have encountered. Awe. He says awe can be encountered anywhere, as it turns out, and the more you experience awe, the happier that you are. Awe. Uh, he divides awe into uh, eight categories. I know you'll remember all of these for the pop quiz later on. <clears throat> so, one kind of awe is moral, what he calls moral beauty. You see someone act heroically, someone act courageously, someone act compassionately. Somebody helps a stranger on the street. Uh, my uncle got off a transport and waded onto a beach in Normandy under the hail of fire. We are overwhelmed by such things. Black History Month, uh, by the way, is a great gift to us. We see so many examples of great courage, of great courage and kindness overcoming. Uh, there's also collect, what he calls collective effervescence. This is when you're in a crowd, maybe you go to a football game and the wave begins. And part of you thinks, I'm not really a wave kind of guy. But then it comes around and you go, whoa, we should do this here one morning and see how you guys do. It happens at a wedding. You're at a wedding and suddenly you're cheerful. Just no good reason. Maybe right now is a kind of collective effervescence. We come into worship together. Uh, there's nature. Uh, you see the lapping of the waves of the ocean. You, you see a sunset, which is truly amazing. If you think about it, it can create awe in you. Not just the beauty, but how it got there. This great fireball of the sun sends light through the cold vacuum of space, and then little water droplets form, and 
it's awe-inspiring, or, or you see a mountain. Jesus seemed to love mountains. Important Bible stuff happens on mountains. How they came to be formed, you know, volcanic activity, erosion over so long, and you, you, you tremble at the at a mountain. You, you, you think, I'd, I'd like to go to the top, but you can't just jog up there. It is a little bit like God, isn't it? Music, of course, we're treated to this all the time. Our musicians do something, you feel the awe. Design, you see something that's made and it's amazing. Mayan ruins, like how did they do that? Medieval cathedrals, a little carving that someone made. So amazing. There's spiritual awe. In prayer and worship, you have some kind of an experience of God and it gives you goosebumps. Uh, life, birth, death, all of those. If you're at the birth of a child, it's hard to say, oh, there's no awe in that. That's just a, a child was born, came out, you count the fingers. You have tears, you have laughter. You can be at the death of someone. There's some awe in that, some strange beauty, some mystery in it. Uh, Dr. Keltner says that there are epiphanies, there are moments of realization. The example that he draws is when uh, the investigative reporters Bernstein and Woodward had finally put the pieces together over what had happened at Watergate and they looked at each other and said, Nixon's going to be impeached. Amazing. He says all these moments, they, they give you the shivers, they give you goosebumps, there are no words. All you can say is like, Whoa, he points out some YouTube thing of some guy that uh, took a video of a double rainbow and uh, his voice looking at the double rainbow just says, whoa, these are no words, right? So awe, awe. Our problem as people is that we have lost our sense of awe. We're cynical. We hear Jesus glowed. We say, nobody glows. I mean, that doesn't happen. Nobody glows. Like, we can't have awe over somebody glowing because people don't glow, do they? Partly that's scientific. We know that, like, it's skin. It stays skin. It doesn't glow. Nobody glows. But, friends, if we are caught in the uh, cause and effect straitjacket, then we have a very skinny existence, indeed, where there's no awe. There's no hope. Where there's no awe, there's no dreaming. When there's no awe, there's no change. There's another kind of uh, cynicism that we have. We can say nobody glows in the sense that all the great people have been debunked, right? You, you're not fooled any longer. Some politician stands up and says, I am the greatest. And we say, well, give it a little while, <laughs> right? We'll discover the foibles of this person. Nobody glows. And when nobody glows, all you wind up with is blame or guilt. And where there's blame, there's no awe and there's no hope. Where there's guilt, there's no awe and there's no hope. It's interesting, uh, Keltner studied awe across 26 cultures. You have to think about that. So he talked to a lot of people. What is it that gives you the goosebumps? What is it that makes you stammer? And you can't find the words. He said, across 26 cultures, not one person mentioned money. Not one person mentioned anything they had purchased. Not one person mentioned Facebook. Not one person mentioned their smartphone or anything on their smartphone. 
Across 26 cultures, he talked to people about awe, and what they wound up reporting is that when you experience awe, your uh, egotism, your self-criticism, your judging of other peoples, and your anxiety quiets down. Isn't that interesting? All these things that we think are just such a big deal, like that they don't bring awe, but when we experience awe, our anxiety quiets some. Our judging others quiets some. Our criticizing others quiets some. Day before yesterday, Lisa and I had an incredible experience of awe. Uh, I'm a great trip planner. Every moment is uh, organized in advance, and I had planned a day that would be out of doors when we were in New Jersey getting ready to come home, and it was pouring down rain. It spoiled my plans. I was just so frustrated. God, how could you let it rain today? I got over that pretty quickly. But then what to do on a rainy day when your activities are outdoor activities? We're at the bar at our bed and breakfast, and I complained to some total strangers. They said, you got to go to Robbinsville. They have a Robbinsville in New Jersey. Who knew? And the guy, the guy said, well, it's not in Robbinsville. It's kind of out from Robbinsville. There is a Hindu temple there. And I thought, yeah, 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 Hindu temple. He said, it is the most spectacular building I have ever seen. You have to go see it. I didn't have a better plan. So Lisa and I drove to Robbinsville, outside Robbinsville, actually, and we found the most spectacular, sacred building I have ever seen. And I've been all over the world, and I find sacred buildings <laughs> where I go. This was an intricate, I don't have the words. See, that's how it all works, right? I try to describe it to you. Even standing there, I was talking to Lisa, I was like, uh, I just kept pointing, like, Look at the intricate detail, look at the ivory, look at the artistry, look at the grandeur, look at the... It was absolutely amazing. I think that's why Jesus says to enter the kingdom of God, you must become like a child. Like, children are pretty willing to look up and go, that's all they got. That's all I had in the Hindu temple outside Robbinsville. Jesus shining one day. Like, what was the shining? Uh, was it that his skin, his clothing really was glowing, or was it that, that in that moment, somehow they finally captured what the whole story of Jesus was about, like who he was and why he had come. You know, why he'd come, we have the weird thing that the Hindus, they were so friendly at this temple too, by the way, masters of hospitality. They sounded like United Methodists. They said, we are here for all people. We are here for all people. You may come here and pray with us. I mean, I loved it. <laughs> so those Hindu people, I would never say, you know, you're wrong. I know people who would do that. They'd say, you should go in there and preach to those Hindu people because they are so wrong. How can I say people are wrong who had done that for God? <laughs> like, what have I done for God? They did that for God. Volunteer hours, private donations. It was incredible. They did that for God. What we do believe that they don't believe is that God came down and became one of us as an infant. That's what Christmas is about. It's hard to believe. It's wonderful to believe. I believe it. 
The disciples come to understand Jesus' whole story. That, 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 that's, part, that's part of awe, right? Is, is when you finally realize what's been going on and you didn't understand it before and this some light comes on in your head. Sometimes this happens with a person. Have you ever had this happen? Like you're around somebody forever and then one day you go, oh, my father on his deathbed suddenly seemed very tender-hearted. Had I missed that? Was it hidden under his tough exterior? I think it was always there. It just finally manifests itself. I think that's what happens with Jesus. Jesus is a cause for great awe. I mean, he... He talks about nature, consider the lilies, consider the sparrows. Uh, Jesus sang, we know that, he had music uh, going on. Jesus had a kind of collective effervescence. The crowd was around and they got very excited. Jesus showed up at <laughs> weddings and such things. Jesus showed up at the death of other people and then his own death is amazing. And the transfiguration, the uh, Greek word that's translated, he was transfigured before them, is a Greek word that you could translate if you could spell the Greek letters. It's metamorphosis. Jesus undergoes a metamorphosis. Metamorphosis is interesting, right? You have that kind of gray, colorless, hard cocoon, and the, there's a butterfly in there. Like, who, who knew? It, it was always there, but it looked hard and crusty until this thing emerged. It, it's a miracle, but yet it's natural. It's, it's both. Jesus reveals in that moment what he always had been about, what he always would be about. And they got a little glimpse of it, and it was so awe-inspiring. They had no words. They fell on their faces in awe. It brought great clarity. Friends, Lent is the season, I'm rethinking this, Lent is the season for us to cultivate awe, to recover our sense of awe. We talk about giving stuff up for Lent. There's some things that you have to give up in order to experience awe. You have to give up that straight jacket of cause and effect. I have got the whole world figured out. Uh, one of my dreams for aging, and some of you are thinking, dude, you're already there. What are you talking about? One of my goals for aging is that I will continue to be like some aging people that I have known who were incessantly curious. Oh, you, you know people like this. They're always curious. They're 92 years old and they're very curious as opposed to the older people that we have all met and I do not wish to become one who they have got everything figured out. And they're happy to inform you if you do not have everything figured to cultivate awe, you have to realize, I don't have everything figured out. I'm, I'm really curious. What mystery is there out there? What could make me get goosebumps? And it's all around, and it's not a matter of being rich to find it. The poorest people in the world can find awe. It's just all over the place. It's you know, finding a mushroom in the, in the woods. It can just be anything at all. We have to give that up. We have to give up. If you remember that from those 26 cultures, no one said they found awe on their gadgets. Maybe you got to turn the gadget off. Maybe you got to get outside. Most of those awe things, not many of them are indoors. They're almost all out of doors. We've got to get outside more. We have to be less busy. I coined a little phrase that 
kind of blurted out. I never have quotables. Anytime I have a sermon and somebody says, I love that thing that you said, it's always I quoted somebody else, <laughs> which makes me happy, of course. Here's what I came up with though, the other day, is that time seems to fly, and like the older you get, the faster it seems to go. And anybody out there, if you're paying attention, you're all nodding, like, you know, when you're six, Christmas is never gonna come. But by the time you're 76, like the last decade went by and about five minutes. It's just flies. Parents of young children worry about this time is flying. The phrase that I coined is that since time flies, the only way to slow it down is to slow down. Since time flies, the only way to slow it down is to slow down. The transfiguration happens when? Six days after the Sabbath, they're still marking time by Sabbath, a day of rest, a day of doing nothing, a day of disconnecting, a day of simply being, a day of slowing down. And awe, I would say, also uh, inspires you to be better. I want to be better, you want to be better, we all want to be better, we want to be better as a church. I'm not yet nearly as good as I hope to be, and when I see something that strikes awe into me, I want to be better. Again, that's the gift of Black History Month. I think about John Lewis walking across that bridge at Selma. He had been beaten within an inch of his life twice before. <laughs> And he still felt the pain from that, and yet he walked across that bridge and he took it again because he wanted to change the world, and he did. He got into what he called good trouble. I think it's somebody like Ella Baker that nobody's heard of. She was the behind-the-scenes worker through the civil rights movement. She thought the world could change if you have a lot of dinners and make casseroles and just get common people to care and to pray. These people strike awe into me and make me want to be better. And then the kind of church that we're going to be, uh, here's what church ought to be, and I take you back to the uh, bar and the bed and breakfast that Lisa and I were staying in, in Princeton. There were people there, they were total strangers. They could have just ignored my conversation, but instead what they said is like, you got to go to Robbinsville. There were actually two parts of that. They said, Robbinsville has the best pizza in all of America. Really? Yeah, it's a place called De Lorenzo's. We wrote it down. We went to De Lorenzo's. I think they may have the best pizza in America. It was astonishing. I ate way too much. <laughs> but they said, you got to go see this place. It'll make your jaw drop. It's the most fabulous space we have ever seen. You've got to see this. I want us to be that kind of church that we just say to other people, not, we're right, you're wrong. Maybe the kind of church that, as I've said, come sing with us, or like, you've got, you got to see this. <laughs> you've got to come with us and see this. You've got to try this pizza. This is an amazing place. God is an amazing God. When we do this, when we slow down during Lent, there really can and will be a metamorphosis, and you will see the person that God is drawing out of you, and you will fall on your face in awe. It might give you goosebumps. You might not have the words 
for it. We hope not. Thanks be to God. Friends, let us go to God in prayer together. Spirit of the living God, we gather in your house to worship and praise you. In you, we encounter hope that never ends and grace that perseveres. So enable each of us to hear your calling in our lives to grow into a person who humbly discerns what to do in the light of your will and your desires for us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We always make time for the things we value most. So we ask for your forgiveness for when we neglect to take time to love your words and to love your world as you command. Teach us your truth. And may we speak of your truth not with harshness, but with mercy and joy. Discipline us in spaces of our rebellion and resistance. Forgive us for not recognizing hope in the midst of disappointments and trusting in your resurrection even in the midst of suffering. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we lament. We lament for your children who do suffer, our sisters and brothers in Ukraine, Syria, Turkey, countless refugees and others who are completely dis displaced around the world seeking a new home, people in our nation, in neighborhoods, in need of food, shelter, and safety, people harmed and even killed by, by gun violence, including in our city of Charlotte. The list goes on and on and on. What will you have us do, O oh God? How may we be the faithful hands of Christ for those in need? Free our clenched hands so that we can be intentional, generous, hospitable, and sacrificial servants in our reaching out in the name of Jesus. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. So, God, we trust in your goodness more than the evils that we see in the world. We trust in your goodness more than the sum of cynicism and skepticism that we encounter in our lives. And it is because we trust in your goodness that we are able to pray with sure and certain hope the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
As Pastor Taylor mentioned earlier, Lent is upon us. It's, it's only a few days away. There are many ministries that's going on in the life of our church. As the ushers come forward, we give thanks for your intentional generosity that empowers and enables ministries in our church. One of the things that we're able to provide for our friends is the Lent devotion sponsored by our Stephen ministry. We invite you to take one of these on the way out at the, the different exits of our sanctuary. It is good that we're here. Let us receive our morning tithes and offering.
Loving and gracious God, you are a giver of all good things. Bless these gifts so that they may bring light into dark days and salt to flavor the earth with your justice, mercy, and love. Amen. Church, we are surrounded by the presence of God. May we be transformed and to be people of awe as we go forth in our lives. Go now in peace and let God be your vision.